When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again. It's Thursday morning. It is rolling into the NFL season. Week one is behind us. Week two is just around the corner. The preparation has begun. All that has to happen now is for the game to be played on Sunday. But before we get into the upcoming game, we've got to make sure that we talk about last week's game. Before we dive into all this, several different things to talk about. One, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We've got so much going on there. Um, Our analysis of breaking things down from last week is kind of, you know, wrap that up, moving ahead into what's going on with facing the Las Vegas Raiders. I know I, I said it right this time. I said it right this time. I know I'm going to mess it up here before the show is over that um, whether I call them the Los Angeles, the Oakland, the Las Vegas, the, the, the Raiders, I, I still say they're the Oakland Raiders who play their games in Las Vegas um, because 
that the city of Las Vegas is never going to embrace them like this, like Oakland. But that's just me. I should leave that alone. Um, you know what? Don't really care because you know why? It's not the Pittsburgh Steelers. So also make sure you're checking out all our podcasts. Man, oh man, we are rolling into the regular season. You got your first pregame show from Brian Anthony Davis and Kevin Smith. We've got the noon lineup of podcasts again, you know, with Jeffrey Benedicts. We've, um, Cutting Room Floor. We've got Jeremy Betts's Fantasy Football Fix. We've got Maddie P's War Room. We've got the What Yin's Talking About podcast that you really need to check out to appreciate what they do there. Um, it's it's so much fun to listen to. It really is a fun listen. And then, of course, then you've got the uh, the Power Half Hour with the Ohioans. Then we got the the morning ones. You're listening to one right now with myself with the Stat Geek and my Nerds of Steel. Hashtag Nerds of Steel. Well, yeah, we'll see if that catches or not. Uh, that was recommended to me um, during the Steelers preview last week um, as, as our own hashtag to, to kind of combat, not combat, but to kind of go along with uh, Jeff Hartman's Ride or Die crew on his Monday, Wednesday, Friday show, which I'm a part of because I don't miss one of those shows. And you also got uh, Michael Beck's live mic. Then you've got the the Coach Tomlin press conference podcast, both after the game and on Tuesday. You've got the Injury Report podcast. Um, you've got Brian has another one. It has been fact or fiction, but he might be switching up what he's doing with that now. Well, you'll have to make sure you tune into the channel and see what he's going to do. Um, but all that stuff, you all were the reason we do this. We hope you enjoy it. Check it all out. It's a lot of fun. Let's get to the Steelers. There's so much to talk about from week one. My goodness. But we're also going to talk about how that you know transfers into week two. What can the Steelers take from week one and apply it to week two? Because um, I love doing the show with my brother. I love doing the Scobro show because you know what we do? We just, we go in and we talk Steelers. It's just, it's basically a show where my brother and I get to talk on screen, like we had a Zoom call just to talk about the Steelers. It, you know, we get to include the live chat, which is great and fun, and then people feel like family as well. But that's really all that show is that we that we that we talk it out. And sometimes, you know, we want to talk about last week for the first half, and then roll into the next week for the second half. This past week, nah, there's too much to talk about. We we kind of switched it up. But but this is where we now then get into the numbers of things. And we talk about some numbers on there too, but uh, that's the thing. All our podcasts have a little bit something different to offer. But um, when we were talking about that, the the title of that show, the whole reason I brought up that show was because the title of the show was, um, is it time to get excited about the 2021 Steelers? That, or roughly that's what the title was. I, I didn't quote it exactly. Um, and the answer is, yeah, get excited, get excited. But what I'm going to look at today is get excited. Don't get cocky. Don't get overconfident. There's a difference between confidence and cockiness. And we're going to look at this that uh, just because everything worked out well in Buffalo doesn't mean that it tra all translates to week two, to week three, to week four. So we're going to look at that. But before we do that, let's really break down this this game this past week. Um, I do an article on Mondays, Monday mornings, right after uh, game days, uh, where we where we look at the game by the numbers. So I'm going to highlight some of those numbers that we did, throw out some other ones that maybe didn't make the cut in there, um, just to talk about some of these numbers. Um, the number I brought up first in the article was the fact that the Steelers started 
five of their draft picks in week one. And that doesn't even count Presley Harvin the third because sorry, Pat McAfee. I know punters are people too, but punters are also players that don't get to start football games because when do they come in fourth down? I mean, it's what happens. So they're not on the field for the first snap on offense or defense, and they don't even count the kickoffs and the kick returns as starts or anything either. It's off. It's who's on there for the first offensive snap, who's on the field for the first defensive snap. And so Presley Harvin didn't even get a start as the, as the punter for the Steelers, and yet they still had five starters from their draft class. Absolutely insane. Those starters were on defense, seventh-round draft, draft pick Trey Norwood. And you're like, oh, Trey, Trey Norwood? Yeah, they, he he played. He started. Yes, his first snap was on defense. You know, the first play of the game, he was out there, and and here's why: the Steelers didn't play their base defense. They went sub package the whole way. Um, it was very interesting and in how that all and and how that all worked out. Um, it's funny. I was trying to, to to look up some snap counts, and I got confused because I said, "Oh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I'm on the right ones." Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick played played two snaps on offense in victory formation, so that that didn't didn't quite work out well for me. But um, Trey Norwood played 68 of 85 snaps for the Steelers um, as a seventh round draft pick, and you know had a solid game. The Steelers didn't deploy their secondary in the way people expected them to, um, and and it worked. Minka Fitzpatrick um, was utilized in a different way, and we'll, we'll come back to talk about Minka um, in in a little bit. But Trey Norwood was the starter on defense. The offense there was four because Frere Muth was out there for the first snap. Najee Harris was out there for every offensive snap. Dan Moore was out there for every offensive snap at left tackle, and Kendrick Green was out there for all but three offensive snaps the entire game. Uh, he got pulled out for three snaps, not injury related. Bottom line is it, it appeared that he was getting a little bit heated and mixing it up. And, you know, they might've wanted to just talk to him about something is what is guessed is what it was. We don't know exactly for sure, but that was a pretty good estimation. So you had the rookies having to step in and, and do stuff. This game did not start well for the Steelers, especially offensively. Zero points in the first half. Um, 54 yards of offense. I mean, the I think they only had, I'm going to make sure, but three, three first downs in the first half. Three first downs in the first half. That's crazy. That, that, I mean, that's all they had, but luckily they turned it around. They were only trailing 10 to nothing at halftime. And you say only, but yeah, that's, you don't want to be down 10 points at halftime. It does help when you get the ball to come out the second half, but you don't want to be down 10 points at halftime, but the Steelers were down 10 to nothing. They come out, they put points on the board. You know, they, they, they have 13 first downs in the second half. They go from one of six on third down in the first half to three of six um, in the second half. So a little bit more respectable. I mean, four of 12 still doesn't look good, but I mean, they, that's still, they did better in, in the second half than what Buffalo did on third down. And then of course we don't want to talk about them. Well, we might talk about them on fourth down where the Steelers with their big stops. So all kinds of, of great numbers there. When the offense turned it around in the second half, you had several different different gains. I mean, another number to I'll tell you how bad it started off with the 75 yard kick return, which spotted the bills three points after the defense made the stop. Um, and 
neither team reached the red zone in this game until less than two minutes left in the first half when Buffalo uh, got down there and got their only touchdown inside of two minutes. Um, the sack streak continued. The Steelers had three sacks on the day, two by TJ Watt, one by Cam Hayward. I think, I'm glad they gave Cam Hayward that sack. They could have argued that T.J. Watt deserved half of it because Hayward hit him, grabbed him. He might have gotten away if T.J. Watt wasn't there to grab a hold of him too, but they don't take those kind of things for granted, and therefore Hayward ended up ended up with that sack, um, which was which was pretty nice there. Um, I was about ready to say, why did they say T.J. Watt only had one sack? I was looking at, 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 uh, at the second-half statistics. But, yeah, T.J. had two. Cam had one. TJ Watt had the strip, the, the strip sack where Cam Hayward recovered it. And Cam Hayward helped set that up because Josh Allen wanted to step up in the pocket. Hayward was in the way. He ended up having to go to the side and Watt was there to clean it up. That's why it takes, you could be the best pass rusher in the NFL, but if you don't have other players that are right there doing the job, then the quarterback can just avoid you. That's what makes the Pittsburgh Steelers pass rush what it is because you've got it coming from multiple places. All three outside linebackers did a did a fantastic job uh, with with what they were tasked to do. Um, can't can't get over that. I mean, my goodness, TJ. Now this was according to Pro Football Focus because they you know when it comes to sacks and quarterback hits and hurries and stuff, they can kind of change things up a little bit. TJ Watt had had seven total pressures. Melvin Ingram had five. Alex Highsmith had two. But man, oh man, the guy that did it was Cam Hayward. He had 12. 12 quarterback pressures. It was unreal. According to PFF, he was the highest graded defensive player in the NFL in week one. Um, it was the highest grade Cam Hayward ever had in his career. Now, you could take PFF grades however you want. This week, fantastic example as to how they can easily get it right and easily get it wrong because they had Cam Hayward way up there in the NFL, and yet they had Minka Fitzpatrick as the Steelers' worst defender because they just didn't get what the Steelers were having him do. They just didn't get it. They didn't understand what was going on. Why is Minka doing this? All, I mean, that's the only way you can you can even begin to say that Minka Fitzpatrick had a total grade of 38.5 and a coverage grade of 35.8. It just doesn't make sense for what he was actually doing out there on the field. Um, it, it's just what, I mean, they had Ben Roethlisberger, the lowest rated quarterback in all the NFL. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers, as terrible as he looked, they had ranked higher than Roethlisberger. So it just goes to show that uh, sometimes how they feel about things comes a little bit into play too much with how they s- score every, you know, each play. But I do, I do tip my hat to them for getting it right with Cam Hayward. I do believe that the closer you are to where the ball is when it's snapped, the easier it is to grade these things. Like it's easier to see if an offensive lineman is doing his job or the defensive lineman is doing what they're doing. But um, that's that's not what we need to talk about now. Other great numbers. Let's get to some of the other great numbers. Okay. Uh, like I said, we talked about the 74-game sack streak. Zero turnovers. Gave the Steelers a plus one turnover margin. That was huge. I mean, think about it. If you take, if you have a turnover, for example, the interception that Ben Roethlisberger threw to start the second half probably wouldn't have been an interception if the if the penalty wouldn't have been there. But what if they don't call the penalty? What if it's an obvious penalty? They don't call it. 
and it ends up being an interception. All of a sudden, you're talking about a drive where the Steelers get three points, and it may be, and it turns into Buffalo having great field position. The fact that the Steelers took care of the ball so well really played into this game. It really was was important. I mean, but it was really about the defense. Sorry if you hear anything rum in the background. I'm I'm experiencing a thunderstorm right now, so uh, I don't know if the, if the thunder's coming through while while this is going on. Um, on, on, on Wednesday night when I'm recording this. So, but the Steelers, I mean, they had, they had five possessions in the second half. They scored on four of them and took a knee on the last one. I mean, no punts, no turnovers. That's what you kind of want to see. Not kind of want to see. That's what you definitely want to see from a team. Um, especially coming out of halftime. Uh, my brother brought up an interesting point. He's like, did the Steelers adjust at halftime or did they go into this game knowing they were going to have a a completely different game plan in the second half because they knew Buffalo would adjust to what they did in the first half. That's a really good point. In other words, it was it was pre-halftime adjustments. They already knew what they were going to change it to before halftime even started. You will never know if that's the case unless the Steelers choose to share that, which I don't look for them to do. Um, let's just see if I can hit up any other, any other kind of uh, numbers. I mean, they outscored the Bills by 17 points in the second half. That was that was really great. Here's something that I want to address as, as we put a bow on week one um, of the Steelers taking down the Buffalo Bills. Now, we're still going to talk about the Bills some in the second half because we're going to compare this game to the upcoming game. But one of the ones that I think was is really important was this. The Pittsburgh Steelers were six-and-a-half-point underdogs going into Buffalo. Six-and-a-half points. The last time the Steelers were that big of an underdog and won the football game was December 2nd, 2012 in Baltimore, which was the Charlie Batch game. The Charlie Batch came in, um, you know, had to play that game, and the Steelers really needed to win and got it. If you want to know the next one before that, how about the 2005 divisional round matchup where the Steelers took down the, the Indianapolis Colts in Indy, where the Colts were favored by eight and a half? And the Steelers went in and won that game on their way to winning the Super Bowl. That was the next time. So you're like, wow, that's it. The, if, to, to go to the time before that was just the year before, but it was it was when the Steelers were, you know, big underdogs going to Buffalo. But it was in Week 17 because they were resting a lot of their players, and they still went in there and won that game. That's why they were such big underdogs. But um, and then, I mean, they were big underdogs last year in Cleveland when they weren't playing people, and they almost won that game. But the, my whole point to this is it's a big deal that the Steelers won a game like this that they weren't expected to win. Now, the question might be is, should they have been that big of underdogs? We'll see if that's really the case as the season rolls on. But I will tell you that since they have been keeping um, point spread totals on pro football reference since 1978, this was only the 19th game, regular season or playoffs, where the Steelers were, were six-and-a-half-point underdogs or more and won the game. This was only the 19th time that's happened. So if you think about that, from 78 to, to 2021, I mean, that's, that's what, 43, 44 seasons, somewhere around in there? I mean, that's, that tells you that this isn't something that happens all the time. Now, it happened, believe it or not, it happened a lot in the 80s. Uh, when the Steelers were were big underdogs and then won, um, 
But this this was a big deal for them to win this game. This was really something to take note of. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and we're going to roll into our break. And then when we come back, we're going to say, all right, this win, this impressive win against Buffalo, how does it relate when you go to use that win moving forward? What what can we say um, about that? So you're like, what, what do you mean by that? Well, you're going to have to stick around and, and, and check out the second half right after these messages. When my phone rang, she found someone new. No surprise how life could be. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, we're back with the Steeler Stat Geek podcast. This is behind the Steel Curtain editor, Dave Schofield. I am ready to go. I am so excited about week two uh, of the NFL season. It's interesting about this one, though. You know, if turn the clock back a month, two months, three months, whatever, during the offseason, after we knew the schedule, everything else, if you were to say, all right, Steelers, first two games, they finish one and one, you happy? You know what Steelers fans would have said? Yeah, I'm happy with that. At Buffalo, home against the Raiders, win one of the two. Yeah, let's keep rolling to the next 15. Not now. Not now. Not after you won that first one. Not after you got that win in Buffalo. Now it's like, wait a second, what are we going to do here? Let's make sure that we keep this going. The If the Steelers end up one and one after two games now, it's settling. It's merely settling for what they could have done. And the last thing you want to do um, with the Steelers is to then, you know, win the game where you were underdogs by six and a half points and turn around and not take care of your home opener when you're favored by five and a half points. I talked about this in the first half about how it was only the 19th time, including playoffs, where the Steelers were six and a half point underdogs or more, and they've won since 1978. And 78 is a good starting point because that's when the Steelers went to 16 or the NFL went to 16 games. So the question is, what about on the other end of the spectrum? What about when it's like this week when the Steelers are favored right now by five and a half points? How many times does that happen where they're favored by that much and they lose? When unfortunately, it's more than double. It's been 46 games. I mean, there was two of them alone last year. Um at Cincinnati and home against Washington. They were they were favored by, I mean, a lot. They were favored by 14 and a half against the Bengals in Cincinnati and lost that one on Monday night. So you've got to keep everything in perspective uh, when, when it comes to these kind of things. So the question is, 
but you're like, but, but, but Dave, you know, we, we shut down the bills. We shut down the bills offense, held them to 16 points. What, I mean, shouldn't we say, oh, well, the Raiders offense isn't, isn't as good. Yeah, you can say that, but I, I'm going to tell you this. Okay. Here's the numbers. The Steelers held the, held Buffalo to 16 points. That's right. But last year, Buffalo in 16 games, they scored 501 points. They were the second highest scoring team in the NFL, only behind Green Bay. They averaged 31.3 points a game last year in the regular season. And the Steelers held them to just, I mean, just over half of that. I mean, seriously, if Buffalo would have averaged another 0.7 points, it would have been exactly half of that. So that's what happened. That's what's going on. So you're like, that's really big. That's a that's, that's a big deal. So we're all set for for taking on, I think I said Oakland earlier, sorry, for taking on Las Vegas. Nope. Don't get overconfident. Don't get cocky. This is a different Raiders team. Because last year, when you look at it, the Raiders obviously did not score as many points as the Buffalo Bills. They didn't. It's I mean, when 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 you look at it, they were they were 23rd in the NFL in scoring last year. They scored 372 points. So if you take that 372 points and average it, they averaged 23.25 points a game. I mean, you're talking 8 points less than the than than the Bills. So you're like, well, if you hold the Bills to 16, you you know, you should be able to do that with the Raiders. Yeah, they could. But will they? Here's something I kind of wanted to point out. This is something that, that, that Jeffrey Benedict mentioned um, in his um, on in our Slack channel to us and made me look up some numbers, which I found was very interesting. And that is the Steelers played a very different defense against Buffalo, and it worked well for them. If they think they're going to play the same defense against the Raiders, they may not have the same success. Here's why. Let's look at how how Buffalo deployed some of their personnel on offense and how the Raiders did on Monday night against the Ravens. Uh, let's see. Buffalo's tight ends. They only played two tight ends. One of them had 48 snaps. One of them had two snaps. All right. Now, I'm also not counting jumbo tight end. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not talking um, when a tackle comes in playing tight end. I, this was actually a tight end. I don't care where he lined up. It was a player that was classified as a tight end. So they played 50 snaps of tight ends, but they had 85 total snaps in the game. That means this that, that the tight ends only played 58.8% of the snaps. So in other words, on average, the Bills only had a, a tight end out there just over one out of every two snaps. They won a lot of times where they didn't have a tight end. You know, so, I mean, b- between the two players, when you just look at it as an average, okay, all right. Well, what'd they do with wide receivers? My goodness, they played six of them. I mean, one of them only had three snaps. But when you add up all their snaps, so like 79, 79, 77, adding them all up, they played 296 total combined snaps among their wide receivers. So out of 85, that's 348%. That means they, on average, had three and a half receivers on the field. Three and a half receivers on the field for each play. So that means, basically, I mean, this isn't exactly how they did it, but 
if, if it was only three or four, they had three out there half the time and four out there half the time of wide receivers. That's how the Bills deployed their offense, and that's how the Steelers played accordingly. Now let's look at Vegas, what they did against, against the, the Ravens on Monday night when they were victorious in overtime. They played three tight ends. Their snaps were 81. Okay, so right there. Now I know Waller's not your typical tight end. He's as much as a receiver and everything else. And when you have someone like that, you keep him on the field. But 81, 46, and 11. That means their tight ends played 138 snaps out of 86 snaps is how many they had on offense. So they played 160% of the snaps. That means they averaged 1.6 tight ends on the field per play. So they had more often, they had multiple tight ends than when they didn't. All right. That's in in essence what that means is that there was a lot of two tight ends um, out there more often than what they only had one where, where the, where you're looking at Buffalo who only had a tight end out there, you know, roughly half the time. So that's a big discrepancy. And then if you look at their wide receivers, their wide receivers only had 191 snaps between them, not much more than their tight ends with 138. So their wide receivers out of the 86 snaps, they were 222% of the snaps were played by wide receivers. So that means they averaged 2.2 receivers on the field, wide receivers on the field. So obviously they weren't running nearly as many receivers as what Buffalo did against the Steelers, they were running a lot more tight ends. Didn't mean they did any less passing, anything like that. It's just how they deployed their personnel. My point behind all this is if, if you think that the Steelers' defense can do the same thing against Las Vegas, it's probably going to bite you. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't be as successful, if not more successful. That doesn't mean that. It just means it's going to have to look different in the secondary, most likely, and even, even you know, in the box because you're talking about tight ends. They're going to have to deploy their defense differently in order to have success against this Las Vegas team. Now, the other thing is I also think that um, they can get this team to turn the ball over more, if you know what I mean, um, make splash plays, things of that nature. Because, I mean, last year, when, when you look at yardage, offensive yardage, Buffalo was second in the league, only behind Kansas City. But uh, honestly, Las Vegas was eighth. They weren't that far behind Buffalo when it came to yardage. Now, when you when you have an eight and eight record, you're probably going to have some some games in there that you're behind and you're trying to catch up. So it's just important to keep that in perspective that things are going to have to look different when it when it comes to that. So what do we need to see as Steeler fans on Sunday at Heinz Field? Okay, once again, you got to take care of the ball. You got to take care of the ball. The difference in turnover, turnovers are such a huge factor in these games. You look at that at that Buffalo Bills game. The Steelers didn't did not score off of that, off of the fumble recovery that was the strip sack of TJ Watt. So you're like, oh, but you know what they did? They did keep the Bills from scoring on that because they were they were getting close. Because that was, I'm pretty sure that was after the Shankopotamus by uh, one Presley Harvin the third. Um, hopefully, he got that out of his system and that can be done. So that was potential point swing, or where you where you're not allowing points by that going on. That's a big deal. If the Steelers turn the ball over on one of their drives in the second half. It's a completely different ball game. 
completely different ball game. And I mean, take away the special teams touchdown. I still think the Steelers offense was doing well enough that they still would have got at least a field goal out of that next drive if they would have had to, but the game would have played out completely different. So that's a, a whole different point, but they got to take care of the football. Still the big matchup is going to be the Steelers offensive line against the defensive front of the Raiders. Can they keep Ben Roethlisberger clean? Then can they keep him holding the ball? Can they keep him from, from, you know, we don't want to see Ben Roethlisberger fumbles because he's getting hit. We don't want to see Ben Roethlisberger's interception because he's getting hit and the ball's flying out and anyone could come and catch it. All right. These are the things that, that, that you look for. But at the same time, can the Steelers defensive front really disrupt that Raiders offensive line? Um, I know their right tackle had a very rough game in his first NFL game. Um, Leatherwood. I'm pretty sure he's at right tackle, not left, but. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing on that right now. I'm going from memory and not from actually seeing the data in front of me. So those are, those are going to be some of those key matchups. So the Steelers, they need to take care of the ball. They need to adjust their defensive game plan while still allowing their players the freedom to make plays. You're not going to see the same defense deployed against against these Raiders uh, based on how they they use their their offensive personnel. It, you're just going to have to do that to combat it. So it's going to be really exciting and interesting to see what they do on Sunday. Um, I'm not 100 percent, you know, sure that that says, oh, you should be completely confident in this game. And you know, the Steelers had a great week one. What's really going to make people talk about this team is to back it up in week two. Back it up in week two. Have the offense come out there, do what they need to do. You know, show that the first half of week one was was dealing with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger not playing for three weeks. I mean, the offensive line not being those five guys playing in that manner. Um, Just go out there, do what you got to do, get this W in front of that home crowd, and, and that's all it takes. So, Expect to see a different defense from the Steelers because it's just going to have to be. With that, I'm going to roll out of here. I can't wait to to get um, more numbers coming from this game coming up. Um, make sh- I already said at the beginning, make sure you're checking out all the podcasts, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Um, I don't know if the hashtag Nerds of Steel is going to stick or not, but I at least threw it out there for this episode. Um, but make sure you you know get those terrible towels. If you're going to Heinz Field, Bring the noise. Bring the noise if you're someone that, listening that's going to be at Heinz Field there on Sunday. But um, once again, thanks for joining me. And most importantly, thanks for coming out. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.